Welcome to Holeback Rack Podcast. My name is Jessica Hare. I operate Hare Hollow Farm, and we breed boas, balls, and select colubrids. Hi, I'm Jenna King. I operate ASM Royal Tails, and I breed high-end ball pythons. We want to share our journey navigating herpetoculture and are dedicated to promoting biohazard safety for all species. And we would love you to answer the question, what's in your holeback rack? Welcome to episode five. We made it to episode five. Isn't that crazy? Wow, uh, big five. I think actually like episode eight is a bigger deal from what I read. Podfade obviously is a real thing because there's a internet full of podcasts that have stopped at some point i read seven was average yeah i wouldn't be surprised i think corn on the pod which was the only all corn snake one stopped at seven so that's a good number a good round number we'll have to we'll have to shoot for that one i was gonna say that the blow past that <laughs> i think we're no mercy to this pay. is like very meta discussion but i think we're because we intentionally choose not to bring on guests we're not going to have like the guest hustle fatigue we already have our like recording fatigue, but we also would have like trying to find a guest, trying to pick a time, trying to deal with their schedule, Absolutely. and then people like blow you off over and over pimp, and over again. Pimp and pulling favors and trade cards. Yeah, and, <laughs> and asking people to give like advice for who would actually be good and is good at talking or like pulling stories out of. Because I've definitely heard podcasts where people are like one question and then they get one even so much as monosyllabic responses and for person, every question for every question and the person's like fuck please jesus i need to find like a nugget in this man it's usually a man let me be honest the word that i could mine for any sort of content and those are the struggler episodes that we don't have to worry about kill your soul <laughs> yeah and then part of the benefit of not doing it live is nobody expects us to be somewhere at a particular time. So we're also not like unable to manage it within our schedules, whatever way it works out. Right. We'll see what happens though. I'm shooting for eight. <laughs> eight. Gotta have eight. That's our Otherwise, next goal. Like 20 plus, but eight after five, eight is my goal. If we can do half a year, that'd be pretty good. That'd be better than most. Reptile yeah, I'd be podcast. pretty happy with that. There was a post on Facebook that was recommended to me because apparently I dig snake stuff where this woman was basically attacked and made to feel pretty worthless. It was a pretty sad post and it kind of like was painful to read and I just wanted to hug her and tell her to ignore the haters. Um, and... Up until that point, I hadn't been a follower. I was unaware of her hey, media presence. who are you talking about? I'm talking about Sarah with Sarah Snakes. Sarah Snake Shop. Sarah Snake, Moore. Snake, Sarah Moore. And she has two books out for the average everyday snake, corn snake owner. Like, even kids can read it. It's very user-friendly. And she received some pretty awful emails basically tearing her down and telling her that she was a detriment to the hobby and that she should no longer contribute to the hobby in any way. Um, she has a Facebook presence, a YouTube channel, and like I said, she has two books that she's published. Did you want to go from there? Sure. Sarah Moore's book came out in 2017. You wouldn't know. 2018, maybe four years ago, like a long time ago. 
So, so the context is Sarah Moore was like a very busy little bee on the corn snake Facebook communities. And like before that, the corn snake forums. So she wrote her like corn snake and she's the moderator now of a corn snake morph ID Facebook group. That's very large. So she's always been someone who was like trusted sort of within the hobby as like a hobby ID person, pretty good at IDs knows a lot of the stories, but she admitted that she had developed the material for the book from primarily old cornsnake.com forum posts. She did corroborate that as best she could with the people she knew and could message and find, but old cornsnake farts are from like the 70s and 80s and they don't even have an email, maybe dial up if we're lucky. So I can completely understand how A, she couldn't track down all of them to double check the forum stories and B, she couldn't necessarily get a hundred percent accurate information. But, but to the best of her ability, she compiled the morph history for all of the base morphs in the two books. And then she published, self-published them in small runs to share with someone who's new instead of typing it on the internet over and over again. I honestly considered doing that too, but for like boas, even though, so in this case, Van Russo has a boa book that is, goes through all the localities and certain morphs of boas. And it's actually published by a real publisher, but so another one of the things where it's $70. So how many people are going to pick up a $70 morph book instead of like a price point that's more yeah it's more entry level (laughs) for the first time so that's what she's doing there are obviously other corn snake books um kathy love has a corn snake book don soderbrook has a corn snake book some other people and those include a morph section also they're just very old and out of print at this point so they're cheaper but they're 20 years old or older so do they include modern morphs or that have been found since then? No. So that's my like knowledge of her as like a backstory. She's gone through her own stuff and it doesn't have that many snakes. So it doesn't matter really what she says. She just has like reduced her collection and then decided very recently to start putting this content on YouTube, like within the last year and a half. So I think that's where like things start to get weird why this all started to happen because now more people can easily see the content she compiled and see the real or imagined errors in it when she made the book four years ago none of these people read it right rude yeah so they didn't care so the person she got the it wasn't even just passive aggressive it was all the way aggressive email from all the way aggressive (laughs) Uh, so mean yeah internet bullies the, the hardest part is like, warriors. it was like littered with not just like attacks of the criticisms of her work, but like criticisms of her. Yeah. And they were kind not friends, but obviously they'd like bought snakes from each other, or done deals. And so I don't know how it like escalated They're that like quickly. They're like professionally friends. Yeah. So like snake acquaintances or whatever. Right, right. So I don't know why he was like, man, I should definitely double down on like making someone feel bad about themselves. Their life's work. <laughs> My understanding was that she had listed a bunch of stuff to downsize her collection because she was getting married or her goals. Were no, she not. Sorry. Place. Let me fix you. She she already had downsized years ago, like a long time ago. And then 
when she got out of Golden, she sold it to Travis. But this was like two or three years ago. This all happened. She'd only like gotten down to like the her pets and her eight breeder adults like a long time ago. This had already happened. Is that what you're thinking? No, I thought she had said that she had a, a group for sale for a really low price and they were offended by that. Right. So she kept a... Let's go back back in time, everybody. Sorry. Let's go way okay. back. So the Goldens... It doesn't matter who found them or who bred them because that's not germane to the discussion. It's just she ended up with a colony of known het Goldens and she bred them and made Paz het offspring from the father, right? And so she okay. knew that she didn't think she had like the mental wherewithal and facilities to run a new recessive corn snake morph and tease it away from caramel. So she sold it with 100% head male and a number of 50% head offspring. Some of them were female, not all of them though, to Travis Whistler. This is like a famous fact. I think that happened in 2019. She'd already been downsizing a lot. She just like got rid of like her biggest project. She kept two of the possible hets from her own clutch and then bred them this year and was going to sell like the pos pos hats as pos pos hats. Okay. So she doesn't even know if they're hats, but she was just like, if I do release them, they will be technically possible carriers of the this new gene. So they'll be more expensive, but not so expensive that it matters. Okay. It's weird that it started with a criticism of her YouTube videos, then a criticism of everything, her book, and then a criticism of everything she's ever said, and then a criticism of how she's like running her her portion of the Golden Project. Because they didn't like the price that she had set for the possible, possible Het Goldens. I'm assuming what they actually wanted her to do was wholesale it as a normal instead of sort of confuse the market price. Like it should be very expensive, or no dollars, like hidden in a pet home to like hide the project. So they weren't happy with her pricing of her pos-pos sets. Right. And so they accused her of sort of setting the market price and then both told her not to, that they were asking her to price fix, but then basically asked her to price fix at the exact same time, which then like, that opens up another can of worms because there's a certain amount of like collusion that I think is very normal between large breeders. But I don't know if her five pos pos poses changes the price breakdown to me. I don't know what you think about that one. I don't think she's affecting that project at all, nor is she working that project. It was more like she had normal corn snakes that she was being honest about their lineage. It was more genealogical than selling something that someone's going to buy into or someone was watching her for that project. I agree with her that she is not affecting the market for that project in any way with pos, pos, pos heads. <laughs> yeah, I don't think and, she is either. Her, she was know, sort of self-promoting the project as a uh, golden project, though. Oh, she was? Yeah. Like, these are my post golden babies. I'm excited about what Travis is doing. I love to buy a visual from Travis to breed back to my both pos females from the first generation and the pos pos from the second generation to check officially who was a het or not a het. She's publicly definitely said that before. Oh, okay. Sorry. It doesn't matter. The hard part is, like, there's a double standard 
they could buy it from her really cheap and be happy with that price, but can't be happy if she prices her pos pots too cheap for them or their taste. So it wasn't they that... They bought it from her cheap and they really want it to be a high end. Right. So why did they buy it from her cheap if it was worth it so much to them? So what you're saying is it was hypocritical. Absolutely. It made... standard. You bought it cheap from me and you don't want me to continue to sell it cheap because you want to be able to throw it into the market as something really expensive. Right. Without then kicking back to her because she kept the project alive if she hadn't taken it for, like the project was been wrought with problems like the original one was bred to something and they were trying to check and see if it was caramel and it was not so now we have double head for a yellow thing so now we have to tease about all goldens from all caramels it's going to be a nightmare and then a bunch of clutches died and then breeders died and then all we had were hets that's why there's no visuals anymore until they were recently produced. So, like, the project was passed off and passed off. It's like the corn steak morph that never could get off the ground properly. So she just got it because she was into corn snakes and she genuinely liked the morph. And so they took it from her at a low value and are trying to sort of polish a turd to pretend like it's a hot new thing. Now this really hot take. <laughs> yeah, it's still just another oh, yellow corn snake. Everyone wants. <laughs> It's crazy to me, though, is I bought from a person whose name rhymes with Ron Doderberg. And the second person, I guess it's not as obvious who that one is, but it's definitely Travis Whistler. uh, Or his name rhymes with Travis Missler. (laughs) Not that he cares. And there were some other people, like Roy Pierce... Could have been the gun for you next after they listen to you. Yeah, oh, fucking shrill women screaming. (laughs) So I don't know if you knew this, but Don Soderbergh kind of retired, sold most of his colonies to Travis. So Travis's collection is basically Don's old collection plus whatever Travis already had before that. So Don is like basically retired, even though he sells a little bit. How he had all this time on his hand to gather. That's what I'm saying. About... <laughs> so like Attacking he couldn't her. talk to her four years ago when she first sent him the first draft or what the first printing and he could have like corrected it then it's only now that he's like semi-retired and he gets on youtube and maybe people were sending him messages complaining about like certain parts not being accurate and could he step in that he like got all fired up and then wrote like a bunch of mean emails that ended up like cutting her out of the golden project in the end it's so strange i'm just like what is going on what is going on? Like, if he wanted to, in his retirement, like, be the champion for, like, knowledge of corn snake morphs, he had time to do that. But she was the one who did that. And even if it's not perfect, I think it's still way better than no corn snake presence at all on YouTube. Because guess Absolutely. what, bitches? YouTube is the number two search engine. People want to know something half the time they type it into YouTube. That's where I search instead of Google. Right. People are like, what, how do I do whatever? Why is my corn snake purple? Google it. Or YouTube it. She's doing the Ask entire... Jesus, now. <laughs> Ask YouTube. <laughs> yeah, the, the entire corn snake hobby <laughs> needs her to not have a bunch of snakes so she has time to do YouTube videos, basically. 
Because it's right. good for the corn snake hobby. Even if she has one or two factual sort of errors, which... Inaccuracies, which is normal. Who cares? I, half of what I say Hot is wrong at this human. point. Yeah. A lot of this triggers me a little bit because I feel, A, there's a lot of mansplaining here. There's no way she could have it accurate because X, Y, and Z reasons, mostly vagina-based. Two... B, I don't know what we're on with ordinal system. We're on. (laughs) (laughs) She's trying to speak from a position of authority, even if she maybe isn't the most authoritative at that person, because she didn't do any of those things personally, like Dawn did or someone else. She just read about them. So like, that's like triggering him. And now he's losing his mind on her. But I think it's, in the modern age, the person who wants to sit in front of the YouTube channel is the person she's taking the brave step of putting herself out there. And maybe she needs to be like more desensitized to criticism because she's putting herself out there. But I don't know if Dawn had to like be like, fuck you, your corn stuff's shitty right point away. By point, I'm going to attack everything you've done for the last 10 yeah, years. And demoralize her so bad. She basically tried to quit. Okay. Great hobby uh, move, bud. Why would anybody want to buy from you now, by the way? I don't it's care how nice so your snakes are. It's bad, because if he is retired and he does have all this ha- time on his hands, he shouldn't be, like, harshing and fact-checking other people. Why doesn't he sit his butt down in front of a YouTube camera? And if he thinks it's not inaccurate, He's probably working on a new edition of his book. That's my current theory. He doesn't want to help her with her book, because he knows he needs to make his own second edition of his book. He doesn't have to help her. He doesn't right. have to interact with her on any level. But freaking using up your time to fact check her and attack her, use up your time and do something better. Right. And just put yeah, it out Yeah, he there. could do his own YouTube videos. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, like, just like literally by himself. Explain. the snakes, sell your experience on YouTube. Don't attack somebody who's filling a needed spot in the community that you're trying to help build. Not tear down i don't know it was just it was really sad for me because i completely i completely believe her i completely believe that that's something that happens in the hobby i i hear about it and whether it's gender-based sure i think that's that's valid but also i think it's happening and is it the old school people getting pissed off at the new kids on the block she's been around for 10 years does that not count for something no. If and you're she's not been trying to contribute. <laughs> but she's trying to contribute. Yeah, I don't know. That's the hard part also is like the old time corn snake people who are really into it are predominantly male, predominantly white, and predominantly old as fuck. New corn snake people, like not young people, just, just anyone newer than 58 is predominantly female and all or... You know, cisgendered or or transgendered or whatever, like, because a corn snake is a pet you can get relatively easily. So it's like anybody can get it. And they're not necessarily that white either. Seeing a different voice in a position of authority about corn snakes is probably fine. Totally fine. In fact, it's not fine. It's great. Good job. Yeah, I think she should just maybe take a little break work on herself get herself built back up get her get her shield on whatever her armor and i think that she should come back i don't think she should uh, i don't care who he is i don't care how much he's contributed 
there's no reason she can't also contribute because you know what at some point in his life he was only 10 years into his experience with corn snakes right and that doesn't mean that you can't contribute in a positive way right i don't know what he even thinks he wants it honestly like her just no one talk about anything unless it's triple checked through the filter of himself i like i'm not even sure like it's obviously like a fluid informational state and like like she said a lot of her stuff came from forums like that's totally snake right based information sharing is forums and facebook groups and that's where the community is so i mean i'm not active in corn snake communities is he giving a rebuttal of any kind no i i even asked on the discord this morning i was like has anyone seen a official statement from dawn about the situation that was either up and deleted or whatever there's nothing more than the one message that was deleted from her youtube channel that she posts for a second because somebody sent her a screenshot of it what was that i missed that because it was deleted by the time i got to it right well she like posts it on the youtube video on the next second, the follow-up YouTube video. Okay. Okay. And that is basically says like, I never told you to quit. I just thought you needed to do better. Basically. That was his apology. It That's wasn't like, apology. That's like <laughs> it wasn't like, so- sorry, face. this like Take hit in a hard way. I can see I you're in pain. Ugliness at you. Like, <laughs> it's so funny. Suck it up. It's like, not that's funny. such a white man <laughs> apology. Like, entitled white men i know i'm an entitled white woman but it just went crazy that's how he responded to her pain or whatever it was uh not first i'm sorry this got out of hand or whatever but i really think you have some critical errors and we can figure it out it was definitely uh you can keep doing it if you want just don't be wrong about it try to be more accurate <laughs> oh my god fuck. fuck that dude uh yeah it's so funny like, i don't know what Obviously, someone's going to listen to us one day, and I feel the same feeling where, like, if anybody ever starts listening to this podcast, they're going to be like, fuck this. They could totally people. make a list of what they have they're doing no wrong. idea what they're talking about. And you're probably right, but that doesn't matter. Totally it's, right. Because it's but more it's about the conversation and, like, getting better through time in our right. collection. This is where I'm at in my journey, which is years behind where you're at, which may be years behind where someone else is at. Like, exactly. that doesn't mean that I'm not allowed to speak. Or allowed to show up to the party because I only go back to the kitchen, Jenna. Yeah, geez, I need a meatloaf. Pregnant, shut the hell up! Like I, no, that doesn't have to happen. Just because I don't know everything, or I know very little about everything in the hobby that I'm choosing to be in, does not mean that I am not allowed to show up and contribute to the hobby. Also, Don doesn't hang out in any of the Corn Snake Facebook groups. He has his own facebook group that he sort of polices for dawn only content you know how those sort of facebook groups are oh man so it's like his business name's snake of the so, day picture and so he, he puts up he a picture like day. he's like the jkr of corn snake yes and maybe he is but does it matter if you are that mean to some people is he this no. mean in private what's going on and he's retired so like is he now the jkr of Corn snakes. He found the palmetto. Did you know that? 
I did know that, and that's what it's so disappointing because that's the morph I'm interested in, and this whole situation has just kind of made me go, ooh. So he price <laughs> fixed and gender fixed the release of the Palmetto. Did you know that? I did know that. Yeah. We so, had a conversation about this guy before I knew that's who we were talking so about. So that's but yeah, I, I fine. Looked into it. I still think it's fine, but like if they believed in the project so strongly, they should have paid her more money for the golden. Or been like, give me a thousand now, but I'll give you a visual mail because you still have half of the project or whatever. Maybe she was hoping for that, or at least the ability to buy it back, but not anymore. They think she's going to ruin the market or something stupid. <sighs> That's why I never release any of your dinkers ever, under any circumstance. <laughs> no, you don't release snakes ever. She's never sell the, snakes at any time. In the hobby of selling snakes. She's in the hobby of making and collecting snakes. I need more snakes <laughs> as soon as possible. <laughs> Stat. No, I totally, I totally get it. Like, like imagine if she had had, like, gone. whatever, the mental space to be able to run the Golden Project. She could have technically Maybe. been had some financial boon from that, but she chose to downsize at that time, like the the original colonies because of mental health stuff. So like we're also preying on like a a person with mental health challenges. Yeah, who was who's like not being... in a great space. Let's just make her feel like she's a piece of worthless shit right. and take her best project that was her favorite. Great, sounds great. And then cut her out of it. Yeah, for fuck. any future, like, who cares if you get better? Oh, thanks, thanks for the deal, SU. In yeah. fact, take yourself out of the hobby completely. Yeah, and fuck don't off. speak about it. Oh, and take your books. Don't sell those either, because I have a book too, and you're hurting my sales. Yeah, it's very weird. <sighs> There's got to be a missing piece. I'm not saying that she's, I believe her, and I, I'm glad that she's telling her story but there's got to be one more piece of information that we're not getting right she did read the emails I, verbatim I that, on that yeah. one but i've heard rumors on the streets that people old timers just don't like her in general because she this is a quote ish not a direct quote but co a quote not me saying it but them saying what other people have said okay. and she kn thinks she knows everything and she's always right. So she's sort of got pigeonholed into like the know-it-all A student in the class who doesn't actually know it all, but thinks they do because there's not enough like feedback correction because we're all just sitting on the internet talking. So maybe right. this has been building up. Like Dawn got an email from a third party who was like, she's shitting on my project. She says it's not even a real morph or mutation separate. And I'm tired of her making my project look bad. And so they, not Travis, not Dawn, emailed Dawn. And he's like, okay, I'm going to go through all of her stuff she's ever said and see where there's, and we'll just lay it on her. So there's like 10 years of build up angry at her, like aggro. Yeah, I think, I think that's part <laughs> of it. Aggro, like you don't get to come back after 10 years and like vomit all your feelings. Like. That's the only explanation for like how you get in, a multi-page email. Process to like terrorize and degrade someone and their life work like there's so many ways to do that that aren't how he did it Absolutely. but also like why does he care so passionately about what she's doing his new book's coming out this summer 
corn snake. Either way, isn't his like a scientific type journal and hers is like a layman's no, pamphlet? No, absolutely not. His is also a shitty layman's pamphlet. I've read it. It's just a normal corn snake book. Where do corn snakes oh, live? Okay. They live in the southeast U.S. Where does... Did he just expect to like crush her and like she wasn't gonna... That she was just gonna like fade into the night? She, he didn't expect her to like call him out and be like dude this wasn't cool i don't know i have no i this this How is the is baffling part your book? he doesn't actually have a book coming out i'm just guessing i know that's your hypothesis yeah. i just have a theory he like finally like got the time in his retired life to be like i'm gonna get ahead and do that and i'm like whoops she already did it but she did it with these 10 inaccuracies so i'm just gonna like shit on her so no one will buy her book anymore for 20 dollars, even though it's she obviously did do the work because grandma could do it, even though grandma's dead. I just, it doesn't make sense to me. And those kinds of things bother me, even though it, I'm probably never going to get the information I need for it to make sense. These are the kind of things that just like, I don't know, grind my gears, grind my gears corner. Is that what this is? Uh, <laughs> it can be now. It's crooking my crawl. Crooking my crawl. I'm not from the South. so I'm not either, but I feel like we cattle. should be. Yeah, crooked my cry. It really bothers me that he went all aggro on her, especially when she's been, I feel like, pretty public. This is just me perusing. Like I said, I'm not a longtime follower of her. I This is all, since it's all been drama and brought to the forefront, looks like she's been pretty forward about her mental health. Yeah, and why she had to be more active and less active and then... Right, she was building right, right. up again because so, she was like, doing good. No publicly struggling with depression and anxiety, and you're going to take your time and attack this person. I just, it just, no. The answer is that's that's not ever the solution to your problem. Even if you're aggro, ancient male that feels like you're a father of an industry or whatever he thinks he is. You still have to be kind, dude. Has the corn snake community at all piped in? I hadn't heard anybody of importance. Any of it until... Because I'm actually a subscriber. I've watched most of her videos. It's an, another easy way to, like, absorb random content, you know, on while I'm doing other stuff. It's just to hear... Some, she's just talking about morphs most of the time. So you don't have to look at it, per se. And I just got it in my feed. Like, I was like, what the fuck is this? I, nobody's mentioned anything about it and i was like i do not feel comfortable with any of this why would i want to buy from these people anymore it's not professional was she supposed to just like run away and never tell anyone either that she was attacked obviously she would have told someone and someone would have found out so like even if you believed all those things you still shouldn't have released written documentation that you're a dick yeah I don't know. It's fucked up. Dick well, move. Sarah ever listens. Sorry, this happened to you. Um, Absolutely. Let us know. Thank um, you for telling your story. Yeah. Thank you for owning it that. It at least reveals who's a piece of shit. And so now we don't have to give him any money. Right. If she's listening, you keep doing you, girl. Inaccuracies and all. That's how life works. That's how the process works. Just keep showing up because... Haters gonna hate, and now people know who they really are, and you just keep being you because I don't. I think you were being you before the haters showed up. So I don't know. Don't let that knock you down. All right, moving on. Do you have any collection updates? 
of any kind? Um, I have a clutch that's hatching out, but we will touch on that in episode six once they've shut out. Excellent. Cliffhanger, everybody. We always need a cliffhanger. To <laughs> yeah, keep us come going. back for episode six. <laughs> I haven't done shit with the collection this week. I mean, I've paired and stuff, but it's nothing, nothing exciting's happened. So I'll do a, like an update of my last clutch in the incubator next week, too, because it'll be the same sort of topic. Okay. <clears throat> but I wanted to go and like add an addendum to last week's because we were kind of rushing a little bit at the end. And I did calculate like at the time of last week how much I had spent and sold total for just that year, by the way. Not all years. But I spent $50,000. Dull hairs? <laughs> <laughs> and I sold before sales tax, like not including sales tax, $25,000 or income tax. That's not terrible. That's pretty good. And I probably have like 15K worth of inventory, unsold inventory. That's awesome. Yes. But I think my, my point is you can spend an extraordinary amount of money and still not have that great of a collection. I guess is my point. I mean, I have a lot of things that other people do not have, and it's you pretty good. A, but it was a big investment year for you. No, that's not true. We've done the same thing for like three years. It still is not that great of a collection. You get enough arena killing boas, and you have to retest everybody a couple times. Yeah. And How much of that's testing? Is that its own category? Yeah. I don't know how much it is total, like ever, but in this year. This year is what I meant. I include shipping in the testing, like the t- shipping that is specifically for testing. Yeah, of course. $2,448. Okay. It's a better year for testing because I didn't have a BOA outbreak. Uh, last year was worse, clearly. And I didn't. That's part of why I don't bring in a ton of snakes all the time, too. If you're doing a BOA panel every time, it gets it gets hurtful and you're feeling place yeah um, but I, I guess my point it with the the numbers is i hope we will be zero next year because the irs is pretty clear about being three years of losses in a row is the normal amount they tolerate and then they start being like hmm what are you doing up in here <laughs> where are you pouring the money in the back four or five <laughs> four or five years you might get a little more and then they're like hmm You've like triggered the hobby police. You're doing a hobby because you have a loss every year. So you need to make a profit. Like if I make a profit in 2023 or something, then my three years of losses can happen again. But your business is really shitty then if you still are making losses. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm hoping to technically come out positive this year. But since we're moving, hypothetically, I don't know. There are people who are convinced they'll drop. 150,000 the first year, maybe another 100 the second year. Those people have quote unquote nice collections or whatever. But dropping 50k does still not does not give you a nice collection. No. Which is crazy to me. Unless you bought corn snakes. No, unless you bought 10 snakes total. Yes. Well, even then, I don't even know. 5 snakes total. Yeah, if you if you we all <laughs> sold everything we had and bought ten snakes, we would have nice collections. But then you have to wait three years as those grow up 
and you would have no production and you'd just be sitting on tin. Really nice snakes. Yeah. <laughs> Which people have done that. They've looked at all of their females sold 70% bought to whatever, $10,000 females, $20,000 females. That's not my personality. I looked into doing the whole only buy babies, wait three years, and then start producing. And I knew I'd lose interest if I did just growing for three years. Yeah, I think I don't know anybody who has ever fully done that. Everyone picks up a couple of adults, period. You have to, to keep it fun and interesting and engaging. Right. Otherwise, your hobby is watching snakes shit and then picking <laughs> it up. Yeah. 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 Boa people do it more than ball people because they're just less adult boas to be bought. So they're more likely to sit on stock and not breed the first couple of years. But even in boa people, you can find like two-year-old boas relatively easily and they're not that big yet. So they're easy to ship. So they'll usually buy babies, but then buy a bunch of two-year-olds and then breed the two-year-olds in two years. Pretty normal. All right. That was my collection update. If you ever want to release your numbers, you can. You don't have to. I don't. Uh, it's fine. I've, I've got my spreadsheet going. I'm, I'm afeard, but I'll do it. I'll get it done. Maybe maybe that'll be available in next week's episode, too. <laughs> It'd be interesting to see what how much you sold. Like, because you bought some things and bred them and then you resold them. So, like, you might have yeah. spent 75, but you actually sold 60. So you're only down 15, which maybe is not true. I'm just guessing. Yep. I need to run a lot of numbers. I'm afeard. I'm afeard of numbers. <laughs> All right. But your plan is to be profitable next year, not just break even. I would like to break even next year along with like my expenses. And I'd like to get like a $10,000 snake and I'd like to get another ARS. And so breaking even and making a profit can be construed two different ways. So I would like to use snake money to purchase those things if that makes sense. Okay. But I also, I plan on making a lot of what's going to go into my rack rather than buying like I have for the last 18 months of nonstop buying. I have reached the capacity that I want and I have a couple of things on my buy list, but for the most part, I need to make my breeding stock because they're not really things that I can buy. Good job. So we'll see. Maybe it'll be another year, but hopefully I can support my own business without drawing from you know the family pot yeah i think a goal of breaking even this year is doable like since you have a lofty male goal and a lot of infrastructure costs that should technically be business expenses too um as you like build out your little shack it's gonna be oh my shack comes on thursday good job i forgot i do have an update (laughs) (laughs) here it comes it's coming on Thursday, and I messaged the spray foam guys, and so I'm waiting for them to get back to me about when they can spray foam. Right. So That'll it's be happening. Fun. It's yeah. happening. Woo-hoo. Our main meat and potatoes today is breeding rodents. Jana, what do you breed? I only breed African softbird rats. Bold move. Bold move that most people do not understand. Me too. I also do not understand. I breed rats, mice, and I'm playing around with her 
ASFs, a little bit. Not approving of them, though. We'll see how long they live. But we'll get into that later. How do you run your ASFs? ASFs can only be run in a colony configuration because they have a very complex social structure, unlike Norwegian rats and mice. I mean, mice will you... kill each other, too. Oh, will they? Yeah. You can't take the mail out and put them no, with the print? No, they'll fuck oh. each other up. I didn't know that. So What's you your cannot... number? Like so two, I... six, or... That's what I meant. So I have two that I'm testing out size-wise. I normally run one four or one five. In a cement tub or a FB40? F, no, FB... It's the rodent tub... It's like an extra deep, I want to say it's like an FB-15. Okay. It's, anyway, it's, I normally run 1-4, but I grow up the colony in 1-5 in case one keels over. If one doesn't keel over, because they take a really long time to grow up. If one doesn't keel over in that time, I'll feed off one of the females. But I've been trying out, I ha- also have the 3-inch 24 by 24 rodent tubs. I can't remember what they're called, but I have been trying a 212 colony in that. One of them is producing like crazy, and the other one keeps eating their babies, which I never normally have problems with that. And so I split them up back into the bigger tubs, but I've left the 212, and they are producing most of my babies right now, even though I have four other colonies of the one four so i haven't decided how many colonies total do you have of both kinds both sizes so i had three of the two twelves and i had um four of the one fours but i had to split up one of the two twelves do they grow out in a separate space or you grow them out within the tub that they were born in So everybody comes out at three to four weeks from their colony tub into a grow out tub. If I'm going to grow up a colony, when I wean them, I put that colony together in their own tub that they'll be in forever. But you keep the ones that are going to be fed together in a group situation until they're fed? Correct. Okay. What do you feed? I have fed a variety of things right now. Off of your advice, I am doing the doggy bag with supplemented protein. I'm not seeing a huge difference. I used to feed Missouri rat and mouse, which is not the same as 6F. It has, I believe, 23% protein instead of the 18. And they always did really well on that. And then it got really hard to get that. Plus, it's the most expensive of the rodent blocks. And so I tried um, Kent's. It's like a green bag. And... A bunch of my colonies crashed production and weren't producing, and I had like a big gap that I'm just now recovering from because they just did not do well on that. <coughs> um, so they're doing the doggy bag. I do sprinkle in. I have some high-protein dog food that I just sprinkle into for kicks, and they're producing really well right now. And I'd like to get another rack running because I have an obscene amount of snakes and very little rats. But I think the doggy bag is working as well as the 
uh, Missouri rat and mouse was. I supplement with black whale sunflower seeds and mealworms, the dried ones. Also from Tractor Supply? Is that where you get them? Uh, yeah. Everything comes from Tractor Supply. If I can't get it from Tractor Supply, then I'm not going to use it. Yeah, people need to remember or know for the first time that this is like a weirdly... We're not close enough to the grain belt or like the south to get any of the normal sort of density of feed mills. Like where I'm from, there's a feed mill every five minutes, even though it's not even a grain belt. It's just like we're getting ready to run like a cow-calf operation. So they'll bring in corn and wheat and whatever and grind feed that's like local very often, which they do that here too. It's just not the same. Like the amount of like livestock operations is not the same. So if you're in the southeast, you can almost take your pick of like three or four rodent blends from different companies at any time and have a pallet of them brought to your co-op or your southern states or something, and you can buy it. Here, there's three choices. Doggy bag, really expensive Missouri, or a local mill flavor that apparently doesn't do good. So I also feed doggy bag. Uh, Missouri, ours doesn't even carry Missouri 6F or Rat and Mouse. You have to special order it. They are a hot mess on special orders right now. Yeah, Wilco, our local co-op, they do keep 6F, the 50-pound bags in stock, but it's $34 or something like that, which would be cheaper just to buy it from one of the other people if you're going to run 6F and not the Rat and Mouse. Yeah. I will have to say is my ASFs never smelled on the Missouri because they put in, is it like yucca root or something? Yeah, yucca extract. But you could buy that and put it in their water if you were really desperate. It's not bad. ASFs in general do not smell strongly, but I never noticed their smell before. And like the day it's time to change, I do once a week, the day it's time to change their bedding or like the night before, I'm like, yep, it's time because I can just start to smell it. But it's still not driving from your house to my house, which if anybody doesn't know, it's a 90 minute drive with 25 rats. Those rats smell worse than my entire and you keep your asfs in your house currently is that correct currently yeah they're in my office which is right now is our snake room so the smell is very minimal even on the doggy bag i just there was zero smell on the missouri and then they're going to go into your shed eventually your snake shed Um, i'm hoping they're going to go into our garage i'm still negotiating still negotiating with the husband like i agree that if you're gonna run rodents in your house or in your basement you should run asfs i guess what i don't agree is is if you're gonna run them outside or in a garage do they need to be asfs we'll see we'll look at the numbers crunch the numbers We'll, we'll see i love that i run asfs and I know that no one understands and everyone is shaking their head and like, why does Jana run ASFs? She's an idiot. Don't worry. She'll see the light soon. And I still haven't seen the light. It's, it's probably because um, you didn't actually run rats yet anywhere. No, I never just... have run rats. But I've seen your rats and I've seen other people's rats. And I every time I see them, I go, I never want to run rats. Although we are talking about getting a rat shed. That's what I'm and saying. If I have a rat shed, then I'd have to run regular rats with the asf exactly but i well really you probably won't even run asfs like if they don't I warm up love asfs different strokes for different folks i know i got lots of time to come to jesus and realize that i'm dumb but i mean we can just talk about the pros and cons of asf since i just started to run them and i was sort of asf curious and i bought <laughs> two colonies from Jana, 
They were doing okay in the summer, but I run an unheated rat space. And rats and mice don't give a shit if it's 50 degrees or not. By the way, they will breed all the time, perfectly, forever. What are they doing right now? Do they hate it? They just are not breeding. They're fine. The ASFs are fine. They just don't breed anymore, no matter how old they are or what they're doing. Of the two colonies you gave me, I've killed completely one that never produced more than one litter. And I kept the other one to see they produced three litters and then stopped. And I've kept most of their offspring and made two colonies from them to see when they would start, if they start at all. If they don't start for another month, they're all going to go in the freezer. They should have dropped their first colony at 12 weeks. That's what I see. It might not even have been 12 weeks since like the oldest babies were born. Yeah, I'd have to look and see when you bought those. I thought it was summer. Yeah, but here it goes from kind of summer to rain winter o'clock <laughs> winter yeah yeah really quickly uh, so I'm, I'm also not aware of how many weeks it's been i probably should have written it down like the oldest colony probably should be dropping litters or very close to it so they have like a month to drop babies and have proven that they've acclimated to being 50 degrees i feel like i've started colonies after you had the first set of babies weaned. yeah and they've already had at least two litters Right. It just means they don't like the temperature, I'm thinking. Yeah. Here's why I'm very resistant to heating anything here. We live in somewhere where it's uniquely very mild. Not super cold, not super hot. It doesn't get so cold, we absolutely have to have heat. And it doesn't get so hot, we absolutely have to have air conditioner, unless it's the one time of year when it's 100 degrees. You could save a lot of money running your rodent production program without heat, unlike anywhere else in the rest of the country heat or air conditioner especially if you were in the shade like where we're talking about putting our rat shack would be under some tall trees right so So you probably never need ac even if it's 100 in the summer those two days in the shade it's going to be 80 right so throw a fan in there and you're fine you're right and it's warm enough in the winter it's almost never freezing if you're even and my little area is not super well insulated and it always is venting it still doesn't freeze in there, even if it's freezing outside, because we're not quite frozen enough. It's like just... Do you recommend less insulation so that it is venting? Or do you think that I should fully insulate it and have a good venting system? Here, I think it literally doesn't matter because okay. it's so not cold or hot. It's the weirdest thing ever. We should be like into this. It costs so much to live here. It's insane. But the one feature that's good for rodent breeding is that you don't actually have to heat or cool anything if you run cold weather rodents. It has a lot of appeal to me, although I do, I love running ASFs. You could run ASFs in your garage and then run rats in your shed, is my thought. Like, you can still run ASFs. But I also don't have any plan to have a big snake. So what do you do with your ex-breeders? You have to buy some, find somebody who buys them. Okay. And you go to the show, so if you plan I mean, on doing probably, more shows... We have uh, the the snake house. I could probably donate them if I was so inclined. I don't sell a ton of jumbos, but I also don't... So I have snakes that can eat jumbos, by the way, in case anybody's wondering. But I do have people who come by them. because I wouldn't eat enough fast enough to keep up with my own demand. So people who have retics, people who have berms, they need like a bunch of jumbos because that's what they need. You just need like one friend who has a berm they'll sometimes double up jumbos because they don't want to go buy a rabbit it's still cheaper to buy two jumbos and hit three and a half pounds of meat than one rabbit at three and a half pounds so you're saying is there's enough of a market that it doesn't matter right 
Or you could go get a dog. May or not may not be a good idea. But and then feed it like raw food or whatever. Or donate it. It doesn't matter. But you don't have to donate it for sure. Especially since you're going to the show. That feels like an easy win. Be like, I'm going to undercut the market on jumbos. Price them kind of cheap just to get rid of them at the show. Whatever. Like, I have 10. Bye. And since the show's every three months, three months you're not going to sit on that much inventory. That's good advice. Thank you. Since we're still on ASFs versus rats, rats take about the same amount of time to get to maturity, but they are more meat sooner because they grow faster because they get bigger in the end. So yes, they blow past the appropriate ball python size, but I can make more rats per unit space than I can ASFs. And I've heard people say like the exact opposite. I don't mean like number of heads. I mean grams of animal. Right. I make more grams of animal faster than mice or ASFs because they're just not as big. No, absolutely. There's no contest there. But when does a rat reach medium? At what age-ish? If it's like a, what week? Is a that well six weeks? cared for rat, it's four weeks. Four weeks and if it's a medium? If he was with his mom the whole time, you don't pull him early? Absolutely. And he's a buck. 100%. That's insane. I'm like fighting off. That's why I'm like, oh no, I have too many mediums. Which See, is and I, I have that personality where it would be like, crap, now they're largest. <laughs> Every week you clean Every, and then that's when you go through your inventory. And, and that's what I do right call now. call off mediums if you don't need them right this second because they don't. you don't need them any bigger than that ever unless ever. you have 20 bows. But you definitely don't. And I can, not just because of you, but other people will come and buy 60 mediums because they know ball python time is coming frozen mediums and they need the backup right. for their own supply that is a normal thing to happen they will not come and buy 60 larges though so you have to never <laughs> you have to stop the train at, at mediums choo-choo runaway train and the other thing is asf people even people who are like a strong proponent of asfs still admit they will feed three asfs to an adult female ball python when she's building why because it's like 70 grams, 70, 90. Like, that would be a medium if you added all that together. Really? See, I don't hear that in the ASF communities that I'm involved in. I think Gavin did it. He's like, I will still triple feed a female because I don't think they're getting enough. A lot of people make up fantasies about how it's more nutritious or something. Um, yeah, a mammal, a mammal is a give. mammal. Last time I checked, and those little adult ASFs are the fattest fucking things I've ever seen. Well, <laughs> I don't want anybody to tell me any different. <laughs> so, like a young medium is leaner than an adult ASF, like because it's a medium rat, it's still a young animal, so they get right. fat in old age. So I would rather feed a medium rat to a breeding my girl. breeding girl because that has more protein because it's not. Has is not an old man who's got like thirty percent body fat at this point, so I don't not yeah. sure what people are smoking. No offense, Jana. <laughs> Probably is pretty good because I'm not sure where you're coming from. The best part um, about ASFs to me is they don't blow past the slot, so you can sit on your inventory for a long time without having to micromanage it. So for me, that's a huge win is that I don't have to micromanage my inventory. Not that I ever have enough inventory for that to be a thing. And you only I have also, like six tubs, so I don't know what you're talking about. Eight tubs? I have tubs? one rack. Give me give me a break here. I have 13 tubs. Okay. What a burden. What a yeah, burden. What a burden. That's <laughs> <laughs> all I have room for. I would love to have five racks of rats or a big ARS. What a burden. Um, my management decision was like, what if I had an inventory that could stay alive all the time, but would be 
never too big. It wouldn't have to be frozen thaw because that's like the torture of the universe is right size, right time for the right people. Holy right fuck. size, right time for the right people. I don't have a euthanasia setup. If I have to euthanize a rat, I have to do cervical dislocation. I also was breeding before everything went to the office. All of my rats and snakes were in my living room next to my couch. All right. So th- of so, course that's going to smell. It's in your living room next to your couch. I can't run regular rats in my living room next to my couch where I can run ASFs and it's not a problem. Well, you're getting a shed so, soon. So we'll see what yes, happens. Yes, Thursday. Yay. That was the original reason. How many ASFs do you produce right now anyway? Like how much of it is your, are you actually producing to cover your demands? nothing (laughs) right so like it doesn't it almost doesn't matter in your case you could almost not run ass if you wanted and just buy it in because you're basically are you buying like 80 percent 70 percent of your feeders needs 80 80 percent of my feeders it's tough life's tough i don't know it's really tough and buying feeders is not sustainable especially when we'll see i crunched the numbers oh i can't hear your numbers spoiler because i think that it is ridiculously cheaper to run your own we'll see but you run a lot we'll so I want to numbers. numbers are we ready for that because i'm ready to listen no to i haven't numbers. even are you done just talking about asfs so i'll start oh with like... no i haven't said the, the pros and cons or maybe i have let me reiterate reiterate i like that they never are too big for ball pythons i like that they are uh lower smell I like that I can have them in my house because that's what my current situation is. For cons, they take 100 years to get to size, probably about 12 weeks to get to be like the same size as like a medium, a small, medium-ish. So like a bigger, small, which is as big as they're ever going to get. I have a couple of lines that are pretty big, so they get to be like 90-ish grams. But that's, like you said, that's the ex-breeder fatty, fatty daddies. So fatty daddies. how healthy is that? <laughs> fatty daddy. And there's nothing wrong, by the way, with feeding a fatty daddy to your snake. To oh, kids my at snakes home. love the fatty daddy. It's just like, <laughs> if you were only feeding that and never no, breaking it up. Point for point for point. Yeah. Next to a medium rat, a medium rat is much leaner, is what you were trying to yes. say. I'm just saying that the fatty daddies are the ones that are pushing the 100 grams. Right. They they definitely do get very comparable to a small medium rat, which is perfect for a ball python. I just don't know. The other negative to me is no ASF has incited a snake who's off feed in my collection to begin to feed. So, so people say that they do and they say that they're like crack and they say that they get stuck on them. I have not experienced that. I have experienced the same number of snakes going off feed. You said if they're off feed, an ASF is not going to bring them back on feed. Right. So they're not magic. They're not like snake rats. They're not magic. They're right. Not they're just another kind of rodent snakes. with different features and flaws. I would definitely recommend if you really wanted to run your own colonies and you were literally in an apartment and this is what you have to work with, then absolutely ASF, nothing else. Because it smells, it does smell nicer. I don't even know why. Like, I can tell it smells different in just the one right. bin when I'm looking at it. Right, right, right. It's and so that would be, like, better. heated and cooled and whatever. So, like, cool. But if you're in, like... Or if you have, like, a significant other that's like, you can't have rodents, they're disgusting. ASFs are a nice thing. You can, like, sneak in and be like, they've been here a month, you haven't noticed. Can I have right. rodents? <laughs> so those are all good reasons to run them and then the size and whatever. But if if you're interested in raw production because you have 
couple hundred snakes and you're not heating and cooling your room and all these other sort of requirements, I'm not 100% sure if you should be running exclusively ASFs. You could probably still run it as part of a management strategy, but we'll see. My operation, I'll repeat it for the kids at home, is a third garage bay in a garage that's not heated or cooled, fairly poorly insulated, but there's enough BTUs that it never freezes inside. But it does get cold, like quite cold, like 50s, like now, this time of year. I estimated a normal month's expenses as $465. Whoa. Then that is just doggy bag, flake bedding, pellet bedding, and then $40 for incidentals, paper towels, CO2, sunflower seeds, whatever. Snacks, extra nipples, tubing, bins, whatever. You don't run PZD? I did, but I don't think it changes anything. Okay. In my situation. I still have a bag. I just don't even use it anymore. It doesn't seem to make a difference. Why would I waste my time? I also had like issues with them eating it. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not sure if they're so this dumb that they eat it. I want the snakes eating them eating the PDZ. No, no, you don't. So I just don't run it anymore. I just use it in like the chicken coop or whatever, where it's probably supposed to be. Because rats and mice rustle around in the substrate and pull out sunflower seeds that are coated in PDZ because the PDZ is down there. Mm-hmm. So you can see them eating it. I don't know what it's made of. If it's made out of baking soda, it's fine. If it's made out of anything else. Pretty sure I have 94 bins. This includes sort of an even split between cement tubs and an ARS whatever the rat version of 5540 is, and a maternity rack with 12 slots. And then three random like grow out bins on the ground that are like plastic tubs because there's just too much going on. I need like 10 more racks. I run mice and colony style. They're supposed to be 210, but like the the number wildly diverges because I don't always pay attention to the mice that hard. Whoops, sorry mice. So sometimes I'll go in there and like, there's five bucks. All of a sudden, and I have to realign because I, I let the babies grow up in the colonies. I don't pull them anymore. Why do you run mice? I have um, an insane number of colubrids. I don't know if you remember oh, that. I do remember that. And I do start baby boas the first two times they get alive. Eyes open, fuzzy mouse first. Then they get frozen thawed forever after that. Obviously, ball pythons prefer mice to start. They will start on rats, but they definitely prefer hopper mice. Okay, so they're for the ball python babies that don't won't take a frozen thawed yet. I don't even start them frozen thawed. They get three hop, live hoppers, and then or rats if they want a live rat, and then I do frozen thawed if I'm gonna convert them. I do like to c- try to convert them because then they are more flexible as adults. But and for pets, I do try. I do always start live. I don't need to not do it. I have enough mice floating around. Okay. So it cost me four sixty five to take care of the amount of rodents I have, which sounds kind of expensive, but I sell on average about that amount of money a month to cover those expenses of like outside rat sales. So So your rat sales are paying for your snakes to eat. Yes. And so on paper, that sounds good, but let me get into why maybe it's not as good as you would think. So in July, I sold $321 worth of rats. So that's actually less than the cost. Okay. In August, I sold five sixty-five, so it's more. But I pay the state of Washington ten percent for sales tax, so they don't charge it separately for rats because it's too hard to be like, I need, you know, Thurston roll rates eight percent. So if I'm like, I'm gonna sell you a three dollar rat, three dollars twenty four cents, it's too hard. People can't handle that in their life. So I lose ten percent off of all those numbers immediately. Yuck. Yeah. So it's not economical 
on the in the months where I'm not selling any frozen. If I don't sell any frozen, I do not break even in terms of expenses. If I'm just selling okay. lives to like a couple people every weekend, I don't break even. But I'll like have an inventory of frozen that someone will come in and like a Jana, a wild Jana appears. But there's <laughs> other people too that do this. Will come in and be like, I need $120 worth of medium smalls and larges or something. I don't know. And so they buy a bunch all at once. That's the only thing that keeps that part afloat. So we're at like 94 bins. About 30 or 40 of them are maternity for rats. Obviously, you can't do maternity for mice. There's only like five or six tubs of mice. Right now, there's four tubs of ASFs. It's probably going to be zero tubs of ASFs. We'll see. I, yeah, I don't think running ASFs more than a tub of ASFs, if it was helping picky eaters, which it doesn't always make sense in your situation. I just wanted them to acclimate to the weather, mostly. I just wanted to see if they would. I'm really sad that uh, the they did not babies seem... were born there are not producing. Right. Those ones are definitely not producing. I don't even think they've even given birth. Like, I don't see any evidence of birth in Eden. They've never even ovulated. Interesting. So I probably have 120-ish rat does. Maybe as little as 90 certain times. Does that seem like a lot? Well, actually, no, because of how many snakes you have. Because they say one doe per snake. If you're feeding them every week? Yes. But I don't feed everybody every week. Oh, I just meant for your ball pythons. I don't even feed those every week. I don't, f- oh. I don't feed males every week. They get fat and they go off food. And you're like, stupid. Stupid animals. Even the ones that are, like, breeding a lot? They can have it every week. But I most males do not get it every week if they're not breeding. And they're back to weight because they will go off food just because they're full of food. Yeah, I feed breeding males every week. They get offered a wean. And non-breeding males, I feed every other week a wean. Right. I might even push it to three weeks. And then boas do not eat every week ever in their whole life. So a large number of my animals are boas. So when they're eating mediums, they're eating it every three or four weeks. Does that make sense? Yep. So with 90 to 120 does, I make about 550 rats a month. That's about 100-ish rats a week, which is the correct amount for that many does. My call criteria for adult female rat is eight pups or less whenever she falls below that. I don't call based on like time in colony or time in whatever because I do like a modified maternity. So the colonies are too full. It'll be one buck to like six dose. But when she's obviously pregnant, she gets removed and gives birth in a small cage if there's one available. And then she, and at two weeks, whenever the pups are sort of puppish to weanish, she and another female will join together and live in a ladies' colony. Just the two of them and their pups. They don't fight over pups at that point. Rats will rarely kill pups that are in the colony that they're in. Because the mom defends her pups. But they do not do good in the colony that they're in. They get trampled. They get lost. If there's two litters in the same colony, they'll steal. They'll steal and they'll hurt the pups to like steal them. They'll like tear them apart, basically, to steal them. So you'll find pups that are injured. So I prefer to remove as soon as possible. But if nobody else is in that colony and I'm out of space, I'll leave a single doe and her pups in a colony that's not super full. So like, maybe there's one male and two other females and her. Everybody else has been removed. She can stay with her pups. There's enough space that she can do a good job. But they absolutely do get bigger if they're separated and she's alone to do what she needs to do with them. That's how I can get a medium rat in four weeks is one mom just, just smash it smashing sometimes they grow as much as like five grams a night like if i 
have a ween or something. So I'm like, I don't know what size it's going to be tomorrow. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> it's a ween yeah. today, but it might be a small tomorrow. <laughs> uh, it's crazy. Especially little bucks. So I kill bucks preferentially at smalls and, and mediums. And I hold on to does only because they grow slow enough that they stay mediums for two weeks before becoming larges. A buck would blow past it and become a large quickly. So I can keep a medium doe for two weeks as a saleable medium. It's not too big yet. Okay. But a buck would be, you know, not ball python worthy. He'd be 150 grams by like his sixth week. And he's basically halfway to a large anyway at that point. I kill bucks on purpose, but I might keep mediums does. And then I have does to replace because now they'll, they'll size up to my larges. And I do have people who buy live larges and large jumbos. You keep the gender that's the most useful for that. But if you really needed to, like, crank out 30 jumbos really quickly, you would obviously keep the bucks because they get bigger okay. faster. But also, if your female becomes a large or a jumbo and she doesn't sell, you can roll her into your breeding. Yes, you're always ready to so replace. that's not bad. Right. Most people do it the way I do it, where you're pref- you call all males, no matter what, by 100 grams, no matter what. Because you can always slot in, like if a buck dies, it's old somewhere, you can slot in a, like a medium buck and just fine. And usually they'll be like, you're not sexually mature enough. But they've figured it out. They'll start fucking right away with all those mature does. You can they'll substitute. They'll teach them the rope. Yeah, they'll be like, I'm an experienced woman. There's four <laughs> of us in here and just one of you. Those balls work though, it's no. fine. <laughs> so I don't keep freshman initiation. yeah i don't keep any he's got hazed as motherfucker and if someone's like i need a large jumbo i don't sell them unless i know i have a cold dough ready i'm just gonna pick a buck that's an adult somewhere and just substitute a medium buck for him in that colony oh okay that's smart if i kept jumbos just in stock that would be the biggest waste of time i've ever experienced in my life because Maybe one or two people buy alive every one or two weeks. They gotta be working. (laughs) Yeah, is and they eat too much and they just get fatter and fatter in a bin somewhere. (laughs) No, no, never do it. Preloading rats. That's the worst. Rats can eat a lot of food for no reason. Also, like with no. They're bored. Yeah. Yeah. They'll just like chew it and waste it. I mean, mice do that too. I have a colony that every week chews through all the food on top of their bin. Yeah, or they'll collect so it really, from the top really and then put it over. That I put on top because every week I'm putting food on top of that one, but it's like every two or three weeks that I'm putting food on top of everybody else. Right. I they're just those bins. There's somebody's doing something shenanigans, which is a call criteria for me too. It's just shenanigans. Yeah, but they're putting out like 20 babies a week. Oh, no. She's my best. That's my best producing colony. I'm right. like, you chew through the food. I'll just make sure I measure it before <laughs> I put it on there. I should probably throw in some apple wood into there. Yeah, I do put wood helps. in uh, just to keep them entertained mostly. But I usually call fast enough that they don't technically need it because they're dead before their teeth have overgrown. But it gives them something to do. They're distracted. I normally throw in apple wood. I just haven't baked the newest batch because if I don't bake it, the gnats are worse in my snake room. I believe it. And gnats are... So I can handle a little bit, but a lot of gnats is really bothersome to me. So I've been avoiding it. So where were we? We make 550 rats a month, approximately. I just guesstimated 200 mice. It could be anything. And that's like pinkies up to 
larges. I mostly pull them as pinkies so they don't sort of count. What do I have right now? Maybe 40 or 50 baby colubrids that would eat a pinky. So they'll just get taken out as pinkies and count. But a pinky costs 50 cents frozen. So every time I can save 50 cents on a pinky, it's still worth something. So that's why it's in my $200, 200 head calculation. Even though the, like the expense of a pinky is not quite the same as the expense of a four week old whatever. Right. I estimated based on 750 head and a cost of production of 465 a month that it costs 62 cents to make a rodent for me. And you're saying that's not profitable? Just like, hold that's on. way it's better. Getting, oh, it's okay. okay. Worse. Whoa. Okay. I'll wait. <laughs> so it, on paper, you're like, okay, if I could buy $2 whatevers, instead I buy them all for 62 cents. That's got to be a great, great deal. And I made, you know, the cost of expense back. I guesstimated that the average cost of a rat that I buy would have bought if it was retail would be two twenty five, which is the size, the price of a small right now in cold blooded cafe. Yes, it is. <laughs> that is where I get my rodents. It's very expensive. <laughs> so if I needed to buy four hundred, and that's just like the average price. Obviously, a pinky is fifty cents, and a jumbo is three or four dollars or something online. I needed 400 for my personal. It's like $900 a month worth of expenses that sounds for right. my collection. Um, yeah. And you're like, okay, so I've used $0 and made $900 worth of value, basically. So I fed my collection for free. Sounds good. Is Find it? me up. Is it? I think the answer is maybe, which doesn't sound that exciting. Because I looked up minimum wage in Thurston and Washington. It's $14.49. Okay. Um, in my oh. county. Oh, I see where you're going with this. Yikes. Okay, go ahead. So it's about 10 hours a week to take care of these ones. And that doesn't include okay. counting and sales, which is another goddamn <laughs> five to seven hours easily. Especially when people easily. are like, I want one. It needs to be white. <laughs> and Please. 42 grams. Yeah. And I have to go through and sort and weigh. Like I have a customer and I like them a lot, but they're like, I only want large mice. I don't sort them by size. So I have to go through and find basically a whole back mouse that is not yet bred. It's only a very narrow window of time. So I have to touch 50 things to find two. You know, it takes 20 minutes of my life to pull their order. And all they're, they're spending $3. There's a real like, so if we ignore that hourly wage that I do not get, by the way. And if I used my 10 hours a week to go work at McDonald's, I would make about $1,050, $1,044. That doesn't include tax, but if you go work at Walmart, you get 17. So it was like probably close enough. So that means each rodent now costs about $1.40, not 62 cents. So it's getting closer and closer to the real price. You are maybe still saving a little bit of money. You're doing that much labor just to save now, $400 a month, is it worth it? Because you would be buying that instead. I guess I'm not speaking very clearly. Let me start over. So the difference is, is diminishing. If you actually value your time at your local minimum wage rate, the difference is that doesn't matter though if you weren't going to get a job anyway. Like if you were the sole caregiver of your children, you're not going to get another job anyway. If COVID took over the world and you are now stuck at home. Yeah, then then that equation doesn't matter. 
wonderful local McDonald's. <laughs> but if you would have been making 70000 80000 a year around here, which isn't that hard because jobs like that are not that weird here, it is way more economical to go to work and pay somebody else to make your rats for you. A hundred percent. Like the, I lose so much time on rats. It's insane. Like my time per unit value is not make any sense at all with the rodents. If you think of the rodents in different ways, like as a loss leader, like I sell you a rodent and maybe I sell you a snake leader. I sell you a snake and then I sell you rodents later and you come back because maybe you want to learn a snake. If you think about it that way, maybe it makes more sense. But there's a reason why most of the main rodent breeders are in the south. Because the cost of labor is cheaper there. So they could pay someone $8 an hour federal minimum wage. And their rat now becomes closer to the cost of production in terms of raw materials. It is not that clear cut around here with the way mortgages cost and sheds and stuff. I'm not sure. So your reason for wanting to do it is like, has to be something else. Like, I want to ensure the quality of my animals that are going into my snakes. And you want to ensure that you have the availability because it's yes. not the south. So the availability is not right. as good. And if you're relying on Cold Blooded Cafe, they sell out. Of they do sell out. And soon. <laughs> soon. Soon so, they will be sold out. So I, I don't think it's necessarily a mistake when you're a more mature collection to be feeding a large percent frozen thaw. Because it might frankly be cheaper. Like the cost of production of a pinky is actually... It's cheaper for you to buy it than you to make it yourself. Because labor is what's expensive here, in my opinion. Resummarize what you just said, because that was a lot of information. It was a lot. I don't even know what I'm saying. So I, okay, so say someone who's just starting out, just starting out, they have, they are first starting out. You need to go buy your rats from a local person or buy in Frozen and convert all your stuff to Frozen. There's no reason to be running a, even one rat rat colony if you're small very small like sub 20 animals and you go to work full time unless you really want to make this your like saturday hobby of four hours a week for those couple of racks if that's what you want to do to like defray some of your costs because that's going to be your fun time and it doesn't impact your the amount of financial gain you have in your normal nine to five then that's fine you're sort of economizing your business and that's why a lot of people do it they're like it costs a lot of money to feed these snakes and i'm not getting production yet so I need to cut costs. But it takes more time than you think. And if you could be doing something else that's like better for your marriage or better for your family or better for your job productivity, your job makes more money per hour than breeding rats, period. Always. Ever. Always. But the, the equation starts to turn again when you get to the middle size where you're maybe you've gone half time at work or you're getting ready to transition to like a big time business. And it's very important that all of your females eat every week because they, you want their follicles to grow at a certain rate. And so you will pay any cost of labor of another person or whatever to ensure that your business works a certain way. So you're forcing your own supply and you can pay someone to do it or you're okay taking the time to do it. That's also an acceptable time to do it. It is acceptable to like have rats and then sell them, but it is in this area not something I would recommend to anybody and I do it so you're like what are you talking about I have a master's degree I look for people's 20 gram large mouse that has to be white it takes me a long time <laughs> okay okay wow you know what I'm saying that context that is insane 
but you're also like the sole caregiver of your son. Right. That's the only way it makes sense. Don't leave your job and you have nothing else better to do to breed rats in this area is what I'm saying. Or maybe in any area. It's just like if you have, if you're not trained or if you just don't want a job, period, which I can understand that. And you're just like, I want a small business. Then hire out the labor of running the rat stuff and you just be in charge. You finance and do management. Because this is like manual farm labor. And I, I have a master's degree, by the way, in case you're remembering. That's what this is. There's no like executive decisions here. I'm clean and poop <laughs> for a long time, all the time. And then managing sales. So yes, people will often get into them. I've sold countless starter rat packs. None of these people still breed because they all figure it out that time is money. And sometimes it's worth paying someone else to do a job. So I don't even produce all of my own animals. I buy in most of the small stuff during breeding season. I don't really know if I would want to be big enough to fully support myself because then it would take too much time away from the rest of what I'm doing to like triple my rat production. Mm, I'm good. That is good food for thought because I do want to triple or quadruple my rat production. But it takes right now, it takes very little of my time. But it is my least favorite thing. It's going to be even leaster. Leaster. Like, I'd rather do dishes than clean their racks. And I like, I ran four racks for a long time. And that felt like I could do that in a couple hours on the weekend. That's what I want to run is four. Or one of the big 50-40 ARS. That's probably more than four. Rats. What is it, 46? Oh, you mean four tubs? No, four racks of six cement tubs was my initial. Oh, oh, okay. And that was one sort of Saturday morning a week. And I did not need to sell any because I used all of them and had to buy frozen to finish. Okay. That was pretty easy. And as like a, you work full time or you're a caregiver full time and you just add one task to your weekend. But doing what I do now where I make six, five, six hundred or whatever heads of animals and I have chosen to sell extra to make money, it has become sort of probably 20 hours a week of just like wasted time, checking, double checking, cleaning, management, catching of loose rat, whatever. Water, nipple, explosion, somebody that was loose, chewed the blinds. Like I have to look in the rat room twice a day. I don't have to look at a snake twice a day. Right. Drown bins. Just the nipple gets stuck in the, the open position and the tub, the bucket leaks out and drowns everyone. You're really selling it. You're <laughs> really making me rethink I, my life choices. Oh my, people have come up, to, like I've told you, I sold like all of these colonies to people and they're like, I'm going to save so much money. And I'm like, okay, but you're going to lose so much time. So if time is precious to you now, sell more expensive snakes or something and buy that shit in because it's, time ain't getting any more profuse and frankly i know people are like the nipple system makes it so much more convenient not really not really it's kind of more convenient but i still have to do bottles for bins that have small rats in it because they're not strong enough to actuate the nipple and i can't get any of the nipples quite the right tightness versus looseness so they don't leak but the the animals grow at a rate that i expect and small mice will also die wean mice aren't strong enough either even though they do learn to jump up and drink, they just, they're not strong enough to move enough of the water enough and they will die. So I still have to use bottles anyway. I know. I run, I run bottles right now and I don't love that. 
I and they're also heated, so I have to refill bottles two or three times a week. Grow out tubs have to have three times a week because so there's more in them. Steven runs like the morning routine. He does bottles every morning, everywhere. I run relatively dense. Not every bottle is empty, but every bottle gets checked at least. And if it's less than half full, it gets filled. And a lot of them are gone by one day. I am kind of trying to dissuade you, but also not. But I just want you to think about... <laughs> You've dissuaded me and this demoralizing. I did not expect that this is how this was going to go. People look at the, the $900 I saved and they're like, there's no way to be in this hobby unless you're breeding your own rodents because I couldn't afford to feed this many snakes while waiting for them to breed. Right. right? So that right. is true. But you could like, afford to feed them if you were working. You know what I mean? And only yeah. transition to full-time snake stuff when you were actually financially able to do so instead of using it as like a stopgap measure to not go back to whatever pre-COVID activity you were doing. This isn't like a personal judgment of Jenna. This is a me thing. I'm doing it. I chose not to go back to work, even though Alex was like, technically could have gone to daycare or something. I just wanted to hang out with him until he went to kindergarten. So what do I do with my time? This is what I chose to do. You rat shit with your master's degree. <laughs> I'll use it this time. It'll be betting. Oh, Lord. So I just, there's more to chew on than I think people think about. And that's why most people don't. Even mature people in the hobby do not run their own collections because it's much easier and cheaper in terms of time to pay someone else, especially if most of your colony already proven takes frozen thawed. Run racks for the lives, for the picky eaters, for the ones you want to guarantee that they eat every week, like females when they're building follicles. But consider being like Garrick Meyer, where he buys frozen in for most of his stuff and he buys live for the stuff that it's not Right. Important. So here's where I'm at with all the information you just gave me, which was a lot. So here's here's how I'm processing that. I can't get a job right now because I have a three-year-old and I am her caregiver. Good job. Most important job. Yes. With that, I am not bringing in any income and it is not sustainable for me to spend four to six hundred dollars a month on frozen thawed plus live for the live eaters whereas i run one of my racks and it takes me maybe two hours a week of labor and i get let's say 20 to 25 percent of my production so if i had four let's say that that would cover my whole production that's only costing me like fifty dollars to run that you're already pressed for time now and you went up to eight hours a week just for cleaning, not for management or pairing or like pairing of mice or sorting or whatever. But what I'm saying is that I don't have the ability to just get a job and pay for it. I know. And, and that's always people's arguments about like, why would you like value your time and use that in the equation? No, you absolutely need to do that. And I understand your math. I'm saying that at the point that I'm at, I see that in the future, you're right, and I should probably buy. But I also worry about availability in this area. I worry about... You should be worried about that. That freaks me out. Like, I want to be able to feed my own and be self-sufficient. Being self-sufficient is a big deal to me. I also... The idea of doing 10 hours a week cleaning rats sounds like the worst job in the world. <laughs> I feel you're maybe so hard of whether or not that's worth it. 
I can just tell you right now that there are times where I'm like, Alex, you do not get my full time and attention because I'm supposedly your primary caregiver, but also I have to go do rats. So watch TV for six hours. So is that or a if fair... you let them come help you, which my three year old that is her favorite activity. She'll come and open the rat bins and go, Mommy, rat poop, we need to clean it. And I'm like, No, it's not rat cleaning day. She'll ask every day. But then it takes me three hours to do an hour and a half job. Yeah. I mean, Alice likes to help. Help is a hard air quote there, too, sometimes. It's the same question with the snakes. But obviously, the snake is the main business form here. How much time do you dedicate to the, the various tasks in your life? That's all I'm putting out there. And it may not be quite as linear as you think. Where you're like, oh, I need to quadruple my rodent supply because it's what I need. But then you don't have quadruple extra time that you just don't or you do and you figure it out. Or maybe you do once she's in kindergarten and you are a big dog breeder or something anyway at that point. Here's what I think about quadrupling the supply of rats and hiring a dedicated person to come in 20 hours a week and doing no cleaning, just sales and managing, buying supplies. That's the other thing. I spend a lot of time going to trash supply. Or they're so out I've of doggy talked, bag and I drive to Olympia to go to that church I've talked I. to my stepdad. Um, they own two acres. They live out in the boonies and he's retired and he likes to stay busy. So he Ubers sometimes. He likes to get like odds and ends. Like last summer he helped somebody put their roof on. Like he likes to stay busy. So even though he's retired... He's still very active. And so I was like, you have the perfect setup for me to put a rat shack on your property and for me to pay you. <laughs> right. You to run pay him into. like a, a certain head. The problem is, is like, it's not that fun of a job and, and it sort of grinds on you after a while. Then you've cleaned yeah. 20 hours of poop. And I end up wearing a mask a lot because people become allergic to rodent saliva eventually. Pretty normal for that to happen. Wearing a mask, trying not to breathe in a bunch of particulates, and try not to get allergic to rodents. Imagine that. Like, if you became allergic to rodents. You were allergic to rodents. And then you still had to feed, so you stopped breeding, but then you have to suit up every time you go to feed to not get contaminated with with rodent saliva particles or whatever. So it's something I think about a lot. The long-term sustainability of it is to hire someone else. And then you have, like, hiring problems, which is another problem, but... The one thing I tried to do earlier this year, this is like a funny story to end on, is I tried to find like a unicorn buyer. (laughs) It did not go well. I put an ad on Craigslist. I'm like, I need somebody local, somebody who can pick up for my house, no questions asked, and will buy whatever I sell them, no matter what they are, of what size, many or none, at like a discounted rate per head, like $2 or something. But you could get larges, you could get mediums, you could get jumbos, you could get pups. But it would be cheaper. On average, you're going to get smalls and mediums because that's what I would know I didn't need anymore. And then I would just stop doing the processing of frozen altogether and stop frozen sales altogether. Because if I knew I could get rid of all the extras, I wouldn't have to like manage them, like take the time to CO2 them and then sort them and weigh them and package them. So I looked for this person on Craigslist. This unicorn. Because <laughs> some people, like Brian Carter from... BC Balls. He, he found this person in Tennessee. And I'm like, oh, he's a genius. Because he didn't want to deal with managing 
sales of his extras. So you either send them, gas them and send them to a pet store or you gas them and send them to like your one friend. So I was like considering getting out of retail sales altogether because of how much time it takes. You know, that $300, it was really worth it. And it's not the people who come once a week and get like 20 of the same order every week. That's very predictable. I can work around that. It's the people who show up. It's a Wednesday. Can I have 40 smalls? I don't know. Don't know. It's the Janos. <laughs> hey, I need 25 now, today. But you'll you take Frozen, that? so it's like made up for it. It's fine. So people I'm would message me, and, they're, and they're, they're like, uh, all right, I'm ready to be your unicorn. And I'm like, okay, let me check your horn and see if it's real. Let's check. Invariably, they lived in a different state, and they wanted me to freeze them and ship them. And I'm like, did you not read any of the fucking ad whatsoever? Or they had two snakes. I'm like, I need someone who has... 500 snakes and they're mostly large snakes right so right. If, if something accidentally became a large or a too big medium i could just be like fuck there's a bunch of live larges and mediums instead of processing them i'll just call up my unicorn if he can get them at a discount instead of me like sorting and storing there's a lot of like energy loss doing that probably another five hours a week if not have more. you talked i don't want this unicorn anymore because that probably was like a folly anyway to like try to find one person with like a magical collection that's not just big snakes but like a large number of big snakes you are your own unicorn you just haven't realized it yet (laughs) maybe you need to be your own unicorn right like most of my large production that's oversized goes my boas anyway it's fine i don't buy in large sizes what i wanted to do was cut out the labor of managing the frozen and i could not achieve that and so I had to buy another freezer, and I still spend some hours a week calling and sorting frozen rats. And you like you're looking that at me like it's crazy. Amount. No, I don't like cleaning. Obviously, just sorting dead rats is not that bad. Okay. There are times in like- my day where I'm like, I can't do a water change on the snakes right now because I don't have time. I have to go feed rats. So wouldn't I rather do a water change on the snakes than yes, kill a bunch of rats and sort them out? Before they get almost even more large. And again, this is why I like ASFs. All right. But right. I think people are not aware of the time spent as you go up. And it's not quite one plus one equals two. It's almost one plus one equals four. Because like the logistics get weirder and weirder as it gets bigger. Because I don't have a super right. convenient way to freeze. Like I don't have a blast chiller. So I have to fold them over into like a, an attractive position. And then, then try to freeze them on like cardboard boxes flat. So they don't sit unfrozen. It's like that's something stupid. Like why do I have to fold rats over? I do. Because they... How come you don't just shove them in the bag? and set them on a cookie tray because if their tails are frozen erect like all the way out they won't fit a medium doesn't fit well within a bag as weeding does but a medium does not you need to i know i mean like freshly cold rat that's still warm right you need to fold it up so that it freezes okay when you do that it becomes like rat shaped jenga and they're much (laughs) harder to tease apart like if i'm running out of time and i don't feel like freezing them on a tray rat jenga can happen but two things happen that thing is still not for all the way frozen two days later is that safe i'm not sure two the rat jingas get sort of tangled and they're not easy to pick out individual ones so i, I try my hardest to freeze folded and separated on like Way a cardboard too lazy tray for that man 
I know, but I can't. Shove them all into rat Jenga, set them on a tray so they dry flat so you can stack them. Right. Because I just take a whole bag and dump the whole bag onto a tray and thaw the whole bag. When your rats get bigger than, like, an ASF, you can't do that anymore. Like, they don't fit at a good rate. Like, if you jingled them in when they were still warm. Right. They, the tails will be stuck, like, long still, even though they're jingled. And most people, when they come to buy it, they're not buying the entire bag. If it's your personal <laughs> use bag, they're buying 10. So I have to go back through and sort out 10 from this pre-sorted thing of mediums. Make sure they're like less than a certain size of medium. Like I go through and manually reweigh them all. And I remember my master's degree was looking at me that whole time. The whole time. It's judging me time. from the office. Looking at me you in the know, rat room. Me and my not master's degree is judging you. <laughs> that whole and time. And how many times you're touching also, each of these rats. I have to de-poop the rats. So if it's a rat that died with the poop halfway out of its butthole, I gotta manually palpate that out. This is the customer service that I provide. Wow. Wow. You know the cold cafe is not providing the deep pooping service right i do deep poop large rodents buttholes so that when the animal goes into the water or however you're defrosting it you just don't have a bunch of poop floating in the water too or well, on yeah, your table defrost that way um not relevant to the podcast why do you touch them 12 times why i don't understand why you don't do rat bag jenga freeze them and that's your 10 pack like why would you t- t- kill them toss like them why bag? would i force someone to media. buy them in it i guess okay well most people don't buy that i could do that people are trained to do that because that's what the fuck is that place called glacier rodents does you have to buy a bag of tin and that's the only way they come but part of why you would want to buy from me is i can give you 10 mediums 10 smalls 20 rat pups and 10 whatevers. So, like, why the hell would they then drive all the way down here in the woods if they couldn't, like, a la carte their order? If I wanted to save time or if I had an employee, we would have to do by bag. But most people do not want 40 large mice for their one corn snake. Let's conclude. So, you said maybe, but final answer. Do you think it's economical to run your own rats, irrespective of the demoralizing fact that you are breeding rats with a master's degree. In terms of raw numbers, yes, you can produce a rat for less than it costs to buy. Are you going to, do you think you will still run your dream amount of ASFs? Or do you think you're going to run rats in ASFs? Or For now, I will probably at least double or triple my production of ASFs. There may be a point of demoralization and I may switch to rats or just be making enough sales of snakes to buy the frozen thawed. I'm hoping that when everybody goes off food, all my breeders, that I will be able to produce enough to put in the freezer. So like not to sell? Not to sell, no, for my own personal use. They do really well at the shows, and they sell for ridiculous amounts of money. And so if I ever was making enough rodents, that would be worthwhile as well. I am going to continue forward with the ASFs. I'm not saying that that's an infallible plan and that I won't 
to change directions. I think part of this hobby is being flexible and realizing you're going to change directions on things. So for now, the plan is to build more racks for ASFs, get everything moved into the snake shack, decide if I have room to run ASFs in there or if I am going to put them in the garage and then just see where we're at production wise. I do agree with you that breeding, building females, I feed them medium rats. So you're not going to get that with an ASF. So I may continue to buy frozen thawed mediums or maybe run a a rack of regulars and freeze them at mediums so I have my own stock of mediums or continue to bum them off of you <laughs> while you demoralize yourself over these rats. While I palpate their buttholes <laughs> That's for poop. <laughs> I'm sorry that I, I've not appreciated that bonus from buying with you. It doesn't matter. Janet King, where can people find you these days? The corner? Probably in the corner. The brothel? Endless, endless sick children. So no fun happening here. <laughs> I am Jana King, ASMRL Tales, and you can find me on Instagram. And Jessica Hare, where can they find you? I don't know. Nobody messaged me last week about my burning questions because only seven people listened. So this week, you can't find me on Instagram at Hare Hall Farm. Good night. Good night. Merry Christmas. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you.